This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown, coming to you live on AMI-tv. I'm Alex Mike, filling in for Dave, who's off this week. It is Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. Coming up on the second hour of the show, Nelson Rego of Cool Blind Tech describes Cyrus, a new tag kit to help identify your beauty products. And contestants Karen McGee, Mike Ross, and Jim Crisco battle it out in another edition of our weekly news quiz. But first... We're going to start with regional news and we're going to head over to Mike Ross. Again in British Columbia, a First Nation on Vancouver Island is set to release the results of a preliminary search for unmarked graves at the site of a former residential institution. The Tsishat First Nation says the update comes after 18 months of planning and operations at the site of the former Alberni Indian Residential School. The nation's leadership says children from at least 100 Indigenous communities attended the school in Port Alberni while it operated between 1900 and 1973. Tsayshat elected Chief Counsel Wahmish, who, whose English name is Ken Watts, says it's essential to embark on what he calls the journey of truth, despite the process being difficult for survivors of the institution. A totem pole taken from a B.C. First Nation more than 100 years ago has been welcomed home with a ceremony filled with dance, songs, and speeches. The Newhawk Nation is the in the central coast of Bellacoola, officially unveiled the newly repatriated pole in a ceremony attended by hundreds of people making and marking its long-awaited return from the Royal B.C. Museum in Victoria. Carved in the mid-1800s as an entrance pole to a longhouse, the pole was later used as a marker for a family grave, but was taken without permission in 1913. Chief Derek Snow is a descendant of the man who carved the pole and says the return is a good first step, but the nation continues to work toward the return of additional belongings that remain at the museum. To the Prairies, research published in the journal Environmental Science and Technology suggests heavy oil facilities in Alberta and Saskatchewan are releasing almost four times as much methane as they report to government. Industry generally relies on an estimate of how much methane comes to the surface for each barrel of oil, then multiplies that by that measurement by how much oil is produced. But study author Matthew Johnson says that the amount of methane associated with oil is highly variable, which makes calculations based on that ratio unreliable. Methane is a gas emitted as a byproduct of oil production and is often rated as 25 times more potent a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. To Ontario, questions about Premier Doug Ford's relationship with developers and the expansion of private health care delivery will likely dominate discourse at the Ontario legislature today. The House is set to resume after a winter break, and the first new piece of legislation is expected to contain promised health reforms. 
The expected legislation would include allowing community clinics and diagnostic centers to perform more procedures and tests and letting healthcare professionals from other provinces work in Ontario without registering right away. If passed, the legislation will also give nurses and paramedics more responsibilities. Much of southern Ontario is under a special weather statement as a winter storm that could cause widespread power outages is headed for some areas. Environment Canada says the storm is expected to hit tomorrow night and go into Thursday morning. Some areas around southern Ontario are expected to be hit mainly with snow, while others will be impacted by freezing rain, ice pellets or snow. And in the Atlantic region, Canada's Atlantic premiers have come up with a system to make it easier for doctors within the region to practice in any of the four provinces. PEI Premier Dennis King announced the creation of the new Physician Register during an Atlantic premiers meeting in Charlottetown. Newfoundland and Labrador Premier Andrew Fury said there's nothing preventing doctors from working outside their home province, but the process of getting permission to do so can be onerous, even within the Atlantic region. Fury, an orthopedic trauma surgeon, says the registry will eliminate paperwork doctors and surgeons who quickly need to fill gaps in the healthcare system. And those are your top regional headlines going coast to coast across the country. Thank you very much, Mike. We'll be checking in with you in a moment just to get the weather. But first, it's time for a sport chat with Brock Richardson. So, Brock, there was a, a bunch of different things happening this weekend, some, some different stories in the sports world. But you wanted to start off talking about NHL trades that were taking place. So... Where do you want to go with this topic? Yeah, let's uh, start with the uh, Rangers who acquired Tyler Mott from the Senators in exchange for Julian Gauthier um, uh, for a conditional 2023 seventh-round pick. And then, of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs acquired Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Akari. Uh, let me try that again. Akari uh, in a three-team deal as the club announced that on Friday. I love both of these trades. I think that um, the um, Rangers trade is one that they need. The Rangers have been having a bit of struggles with what they've acquired lately, and so they need a little bit of additional help, I think, and hopefully this kind of helps them push their way through to the uh, playoffs. But I like both trades for sure. Yeah, I, I think when you look at the uh, the Rangers trade, it's this is not somebody who's going to really light it up for them. Now, uh, Tyler Mott was actually acquired last year to for for the Rangers and 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 played with them. But it's one of those things. It's like okay, you're 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 adding these little uh, secondary tertiary pieces that are just going to be uh, role players on the team, people who are going to help. You know, when you start getting into that playoff push, that you can kind of rely on to to crunch some some minutes and and really filled that gap i i think toronto with ryan o'reilly i think they're trying to maybe recapture some of that magic when he was first traded to st louis uh, when they won that uh, uh stanley cup that okay maybe this is uh, somebody who you know he he's not the player he he once was when uh, at the uh, peak of his career but he's still someone who can be quite effective and quite dangerous come playoff time yeah toronto has a tendency to uh, want to, as you point out, and I like the way you put it, rekindle some magic. Uh, Tor Toronto has a tendency to want to do this. Um, 
I, I like the deal. I think it's a good thing. Again, you talk about uh, secondary and tertiary pieces. That, to me, is what that screams. You obviously have your first pieces that you're going to rely on in Toronto. But, yeah, this is... I like this trade. I think both are, are uh, good deals um, for both clubs. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, moving on to the second topic, uh, Toronto Blue Jays uh, general uh, manager uh, um, uh, John Schneider kind of made some news this weekend. It wasn't really on uh, the baseball diamond or anything to really do with the team. Can you kind of fill us in a bit more on this? Yes. So he was out for lunch with his wife over the weekend and he performed a Heimlich maneuver on a lady who was choking on shrimp during a lunch uh John Snyder performed this and uh helped her uh continue to breathe as she was unable to do so um I think this is cool I am okay with it making the news Alex but I have to say I saw something on social media and I want to find out if I'm becoming an old man or whether this actually bothers others as well. So if you have seen the movie um, Mrs. Doubtfire where in the restaurant she uh, performs the Heimlich maneuver, well, there was a Canadian uh, sports television show who changed, who used that uh, clip and changed the faces to John Snyder and then to uh, also elicit the fact that the um, the shrimp came out of her mouth. To me, I kind of thought at the time, I kind of thought, it's a bit too far. I understand it's a heroic act, but uh, a bit too far given the severity of the circumstance, which of course ended in in uh, in in good good standing. But I just, for me, it was like eh, a bit too far. And I'm curious whether you think I'm on to something or I need to relax a little bit and see the humor in it. I I think I I'm. I understand where you're coming from, Brock. You know, it, it's one of those things that I see both sides on it. This would be very different if, let's say, you know, the woman had to go to the hospital or there was some uh, major injury. It, it seemed like from what I, I read, what I saw, everyone seems to be fine. Uh, uh, John Schneider joked afterwards that the restaurant gave him a beer. I think I, I would be giving him more than a beer if he saved someone's life choking on my food in my restaurant. It's not exactly good good press there, but... Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that, because you also mentioned too, everyone was kind of slow to respond or react. So I, I think it was just, there was a like kind of underestimation of like how serious the condition, uh, the situation could have been. I'm okay with making the jokes just because we know everyone is fine. Everyone's okay. But, you know, it, it's it's a very fine line to go. And, and maybe maybe when you're doing it as a, a sport broadcaster or an organization, yeah, you you could probably stay clear of it. I I think you know you you can pump the brakes a bit. You don't need to make a joke on every single situation. Yeah, I think it's for me. It's the the closeness to when I saw the report to when I saw the the you know the video and then the, the sort of thing. I understand the side of the humor. I'm not trying to sound like an old person on on here, but I just. For me, it was like it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and I, I'm not, you know, I'm just not sure. But I do understand everyone's fine, everyone's well, so making a little bit of light of it. But yeah, I I would think from the restaurant saving someone's life, you know, on on food that that they choked on from your restaurant, giving someone a little more than a beer yeah. might have been something you might have wanted to do. Uh, for me, I think I would have 
probably paid for the lunch. Yeah. You know, I, I think if I was an owner, you know, as long as it wasn't hundreds and thousands of dollars of a lunch, I feel like I would have paid for at least John Snyder's portion of the lunch for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, now moving on to the Scotties Tournaments of Hearts. You wanted to give us a bit of an update. I have to warn you, Brock, much like Dave, I'm not as passionate about curling as, as you are. Uh, I follow it a little bit. I can appreciate when, when a good throw is made, but I'm not all that up to date with what's going on. So give us a bit of an update on how the teams are doing. That's okay. I've got you this week. This is... Uh, one of my big passions, and so I will love giving you updates as the week goes on, as Dave does with me with college. So uh, let's start with uh, Team Anderson, who is representing uh, Team Canada. She is off to a 5-0 and start with her team. Um, uh, team Nova Scotia is in second place in Pool A with a 3-2 and record. Team Black is off to that start. And I got to say, uh, Alex, they are a really, really good, good team they're young they're fiery they're they're you know very relaxed on the ice i think sometimes you see in in teams you know you see scotties with the bright lights you see kind of like oh you know we're we're kind of scared a little bit but this team is totally totally making things happen and as i said they are three and two at the moment uh team Grandy from British Columbia is two and two, and that marks off your top three, which is the playoff pitcher for the event. Um, so you need to be in that top three by Thursday at the end of the day in order to make the playoffs. If we move over to uh, Pool B, Northern Ontario, uh, Team McCarville is four and one, and they are a story as well. They have been to two consecutive finals uh, for the Scotties, and they have come up short against the great uh, Carrie Anderson, who has represented Team Canada for the last three uh, tournaments. So they're doing well. Team Jones, I don't think is anybody's surprise, uh, three and one. And Team Carrie Galusha from Northwest Territories is also three and one. And she is having a wonderful year as well. As she played her 150th game at the Scotties this week and this weekend, and she's just an incredible, incredible faith, and her team is having a wonderful week as well. That's awesome, and we'll be sure to keep following this uh, tournament along as it continues. Uh, before we let you go, Brock, it's Tuesday, so you got to let us know what's happening on the neutral zone. It is. It's Tuesday. We have uh, our, our our next podcast will be um, will be on Wednesday. We're going to be featuring a CrossFit athlete. Plus, we are also going to be talking a little blind hockey as well. That episode will release tomorrow morning morning on AMI-audio and then later on as a podcast. Awesome. Brock, thank you so much. It's always great to chat sports with you. So we'll let you go for now. And that was uh, Brock Richardson at the Sport Desk. And now we'll head over to Mike Ross, who has the weather update at the Weather Desk. Thanks very much, Alex. We begin your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada in Newfoundland. We're going to Cornerbrook. Rain, showers, or flurries today. And the temperature will fall to minus 3 in the afternoon with the wind chill of minus 9. Charlottetown PEI, a mix of sun and cloud. The temperature falling to minus 6, the wind chill minus 12. St. John, New Brunswick will be mainly sunny today with a high of minus 3. The wind chill near minus 11. Quebec City is sunny today, 
The high is minus 8. And the wind chill this afternoon, minus 15. In Toronto, cloudy skies, maybe a few flurries here and there. Your high is plus 4. In Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, there will be snow, then cloudy skies through the rest of the day. The temperature steady near minus 6. The wind chill, minus 17. Brandon, Manitoba, mainly sunny skies with a high of minus 16, but the wind chill this afternoon will be minus 23. In Regina, you've got a mix of sun and cloud today, the temperature falling to minus 22, and the wind chill there, minus 33. In Lethbridge, you're getting snow heavy at times between 5 and 10 centimeters in total. The temperature falling to minus 18 this afternoon, the wind chill minus 27. In Red Deer, Alberta, there will be periods of snow and the temperature falls to minus 20 this afternoon with a wind chill near minus 25. Let's go to Whitehorse next. Cloudy skies with a high of minus 7 and a wind chill about minus 14 this afternoon. Kelowna, B.C. will be rainy today with the temperature falling to minus 1 in the afternoon. And Vancouver will be mainly cloudy with a high of 8 degrees. And that was your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, coming up after the break, Nelson Rego of Cool Blind Tech describes Cyrus, a new tag kit to help identify your beauty care products. You're watching Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Alex Mice, still filling in for Dave Brown here. So a new tag kit called Cyrus is using tactile symbols to help identify your beauty care products. Here to tell you more about this is Nelson Rego of Cool Blind Tech, who joins us from Edmonton, Alberta. Good morning, Nelson. Morning, Alex. So what is the concept behind Cyrus? Uh, well, the uh, the idea behind it was um, uh, the mother of a child. Uh, actually, it's named after the child, uh, Cyrus. Uh, her name is uh, Victoria Watts. Uh, so she came up with the idea after her son was born uh, with a rare uh, eye disease, uh, with coming up with uh, accessible uh, tags uh, for uh, different uh, fashion products. Uh, uh, you know, she has a fashion background. So, and this was her fourth child, and. Uh, and she decided to uh, to make uh, the world uh, more inclusive for him uh, in the, the world of uh, cosmetics and, uh, you know, beauty products. Well, that's awesome. Now, the one thing I, I noticed, she doesn't use Braille on these tags. Why is that? Uh, well, this, this is like a, a little known fact that uh, not a lot of people actually know Braille, <clears throat> which is which is not a good thing. But um, in my experience, uh, people that have a higher level uh, of education tend to have Braille as a skill. But uh, generally, uh, for some reason, the Braille is is not very well uh, taught, and and about uh, ten to less, uh, ten or uh, percent or less uh, people that are blind uh, actually learn Braille. I mean, uh, albeit uh, mo most people have vision loss, uh, have some sort of vision, so I guess they feel that they don't need to learn Braille unless they lose uh, enough vision where they can't read uh, text. So that might be a part of it as well. Uh, the other issue is that uh, Braille on a, a bottle or, or a small object, uh, it takes up a lot of space. Uh, 
uh, those of us uh, who uh, learn Braille uh, have those uh, huge, big uh, books of Braille to learn. Uh, can attest to that. Uh, so, uh, so she decided to uh, um, to go with symbols instead of uh, of uh, Braille itself. And so, can you uh, describe the symbols? Like, what are the types of symbols she's using? Um, well, they they did some studies with this. So uh, th this was the best that they came up with. Um, so for an eye cream, it's an upside down triangle. Uh, I was looking through the website to see the, the reasons behind it, uh, but I mean, apparently they worked with blindness organizations to come up with this uh, these symbols. Uh, the other one was uh, half moon for a night cream, so that one kind of makes sense. Uh, and then the the third one, a hand cream, and that one is uh, the symbol of a hand with a, a dot a circle on top of the hand. So, so that one actually kind of makes sense as well. Um, and those are three that she's uh, just started uh, launching. Uh, just to start out uh, for people to uh, uh, to put on their products. Great. And so, what do these kits consist of? Uh, they they have a uh, so so it's a waterproof uh, self adhesive uh, and it's a it's a full sheet. Uh, it doesn't say exactly how many, but it's a full sheet of uh, of these stickers. Uh, so you can put it in the shower or the the bath and stick it on the in your different uh, bottles or and just. Uh, uh hopefully it stays on <laughs> uh but she does mention it's waterproof so uh, i imagine it's uh it's it's, uh, it's pretty good at staying on um but uh yeah that's pretty much it it's just uh we, we always talking about high tech stuff uh, so i thought uh, for dave I, i'd find some low tech and, and now he's not here to enjoy yeah. it <laughs> so. i i enjoy it nelson hey I, I i appreciate simplicity it it's functional it's simple where can people go to find uh find the kits yeah. and, and and how much do they cost uh, so she's she's doing direct uh, uh, to um, from her website. So it's uh, so it's cyr dot u dot s. Uh, so if you type that in, you'll you'll go uh, to her website. And um, in and being in the U.S., uh, I think she's in the Massachusetts area. Uh, she's selling it for fourteen ninety five uh, U.S. for this uh, sheet of uh, of these uh, stickers. So. Uh, it's definitely worth it to uh, support someone like that. Uh, I'm sure there's other people doing something similar like this in Canada, but uh, uh, this is something that I found recently. I thought it'd be uh, cool for the uh, people uh, watching and listening to the show. Absolutely, and we'll be sure to put the, the web address online on our blog after the show. Uh, as always, Nelson, you always like to provide us with a tech tip as well. And so today uh, you're going to highlight how to scan a QR code with, a cam uh, with the uh, camera app. So can you tell us a bit more? Yeah, so uh, so I I love going to restaurants. So uh, and, and I always like uh, checking out the menus. And uh, obviously, most of them don't have Braille, uh, but th there's a few of them. But uh, many of them actually have the QR codes uh, somewhere on the table, as long as it's it's not scratched off by by somebody. Uh, so it's actually great to, to have those QR codes, and and it's so easy to do, uh, especially for iOS. Uh, you, you basically just launch your camera app. Uh, hopefully you could find uh, the QR code because sometimes it's uh, it's actually embedded into the table so you can't actually feel like where exactly it is. So uh, hopefully the people you're with can just kind of direct you where it is uh, or else you're, you're kind of pointing the camera all over the table. Uh, but usually it's found like somewhere in the corners uh, of the table. It's been my experience. And in uh, you know half the time, the, the menus are accessible when, when it pops up. So uh, you'll get notification at the, the top of the, the camera and then just simply tap on it. It'll take you to their website and... Uh, in, in some cases, uh, 
uh, it doesn't give you the prices of, of the food like uh, Boston Pizza. For whatever reason, they don't give their prices. Uh, but uh, it's good to have uh, if you're uh, visually impaired. It's also great to uh, if you want to uh, not remember websites. Uh, you put on the business card. It, it's great to have that on there. So you just uh, uh, aim at the business card, and then you can go to the website uh, directly through the QR code. Uh, Android does it as well. So uh, it's something I've been using a lot. Uh, someone that's I uh, used to frequent restaurants quite a bit. Uh, I'm starting to get back into it. So it's uh, just nice uh, if, if you go to a restaurant, sit down and check to see if it works and look for that QR code on the table and, and uh, try it out and see if that website is accessible or not. If it's not, then let the management know <laughs> to make it accessible for uh, for the rest of us. Exactly. Nelson, thank you so much. Uh, that was great. Uh, have yourself a good day, and we'll talk to you next week. Great. Thank you. Take care. Okay. That was Nelson Rego of Cool Blind Tech, who was speaking to us from Edmonton, Alberta. And we want to hear from you guys at home as well. So please be sure to participate in our daily polls. Today I asked you, how concerned are you that AI might impact how we learn? Are you very concerned, somewhat concerned, not concerned at all? You can vote online at uh, Facebook and on Twitter at Accessible Media Inc. On Facebook at Accessible Media on Twitter. And part of this uh, poll question is derived from the tech trends uh, clip. And here is Mike Dubusky to tell us more about how AI is going to change how we learn. There is real concern, definitely, for educators here. Wired columnist Clive Thompson says chatbots powered by artificial intelligence, like the ones made by OpenAI, can produce paragraphs of original writing, which has raised concerns that students may use them for essays and assignments. It would be trivially easy to generate an answer like that and then just tinker with the language a little bit, maybe even introduce a few errors to make it seem like it's, it's a real human. He says AI detection software, including one made by OpenAI, is a potential workaround and there are other guardrails one of them is to um to shift to more like in-class assessments like come on in here kids and for the next hour you're going to write a five paragraph essay but he says the rise of ai is also an opportunity for educators to reevaluate how they teach it throws down a gauntlet to make educating better with tech trends i'm mike debusky abc news Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV. It's roundtable time, so I wanted to bring in Mike Ross and welcome in Ramya Muthan to discuss something that's been on Mike Ross's mind. Mike, take it away. What's been on your mind and what did you want to talk to us about today? Well, over the weekend, I got to uh, take part in a pretty cool moment um, with my role with the Maple Leafs. Uh, as public address announcer, it's a partnership that the Maple Leafs have with uh, one of the major Canadian airlines, and they do what's called a fan flight. So they charter a plane that goes to a um, a visiting city uh, and brings a whole bunch of fans from the Maple Leafs, or this partnership does extend to the other Canadian NHL teams and the Raptors. So they do fan flights for all those teams. Um, and you go see the Raptors or the Jets, Canadians, whatever, whatever team uh, is involved on the road. And we were giving away uh, one of these trips on Saturday, and they they were shooting a promo video uh, to put on their social media and stuff like that. And the young man that we uh, were awarding this trip to uh, really 
really cool guy. Um, he's uh, on the autism spectrum. He is uh, studying uh, engineering, and he has three major passions. He loves the Maple Leafs, he loves mascots, and he loves airplanes. So this was like the perfect match for this uh, young man. Uh, Mark Anthony is his name. And uh, it was really, really cool to just to, to see how excited he was and how just blown away he was at the fact that, you know, here were these people from the Maple Leafs. Here was Carlton, the mascot of the Maple Leafs. And I'm getting to go on a trip. I'm going on a plane um, to, to see the Leafs on the road. And the most mind-blowing thing about the whole thing was his love of planes. Um, and so, you know, we're making a big deal of the fact that he's going on a plane to see the Leafs on the road. And he said, I do. I love planes. I was just at the airport 30 minutes ago taking pictures of planes. He has 30,000 images of planes, pictures he's taken in his phone. Like, that's how passionate he was about it. But it was just awesome to see someone so thrilled, so just blown away at the fact that this trip that they never could have even imagined themselves taking, uh, they were being awarded with it. And it got me thinking about what's your dream destination? Where is a place that you have not yet gone to, but you want to go to? And what is it that is drawing you to that place? So I, I wanted to ask you guys, what's your dream destination? And why do you want to go there? Uh, okay, well, so I am going to start, and I am going to have to say it's got to be Tanzania. I've, I've always been fascinated and had a huge love of safaris, and I've always wanted to go on an authentic African safari and not go to African Lion Safari, which is outside of Hamilton, Ontario. It's not quite the same. But uh, Tanzania has always been a place that really spoke to me because... You have the Serengeti, you, you have the Gronal Crater, you have all these different natural wonders there. And, and just to see the vastness of the African savanna and, and the wildlife and, and just the diversity that exists there, that is something that I've always wanted to do. Part of the problem is it's very expensive to go there. And mm. especially with Tanzania, it's not an easy place to get to by flight because you have to like do two or three different legs to be able to get there from Toronto, Ontario. So that is certainly a place that's on my bucket list. I'm going to get there at some point. Probably it's going to be a while before I end up uh, making it down there. I love that uh, that idea, Alex. I mean, it's it's not uh, it's not at the top of my list, but it's on the list. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that because I'm a, a big photography buff, and. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to think of uh, a, a more beautiful place with such, you know, as you say, not only a natural diversity, but animal diversity and the, the pictures that you'd be able to take uh, on a trip like that would be absolutely phenomenal. Like that to me would be one of the one of the top things I'd want to do on a trip like that. Well, what about you, Mike? What would be your your destination that is not at the top of your list? So what is the destination you want to go to? At the top of my list is basically the most northern point i can get to where you know i can still sleep in a warm place that's that's got some electricity in it um but whether that's you know northern scandinavia northern canada i want to go somewhere really north really snowy and icy 
and I want to see the Northern Lights. I want to see some of that Northern wildlife. Um, my dad, when I was um, when I was very young and, and before I was born, was posted at uh, Canadian Forces Base Alert, and I've I've seen some just tremendous pictures that uh, he's shown me from his time there. And I, I'm just, I love the cold. And and so people who, who've heard me or see me on this show before know I am a winter guy, even though baseball is my favorite sport, which it just doesn't quite mesh. But nevertheless, I love throwing on my big parka, my big hat, my mitts and my boots and just dredging off in dredging off into the snow um even just sitting like a day like today where you know the wind is going to be whipping around just sitting on a park bench in that cold you get a quiet and a peacefulness that you just don't get at other times of the year and i really embrace that and i just can't imagine as much as hard as i try sitting in that kind of serene environment but having the northern lights going and and witnessing that and and i just i i am trying to imagine what what the air would smell like like is it that much cleaner is it that much crisper what's the wind feel like against my cheeks um so there's just so much that i want to experience in a northern climate like a truly yeah. northern climate yeah. that uh, that's that's why that's at the top of my list Oh yeah, for sure. Like that, I. It, it's not the top of my list, but it certainly would be on my list as well. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for for bringing this uh, topic forward. And uh, unfortunately, Ramya was having some technical issues, so we couldn't get her to chime in on the on the topic. But uh, we will have to uh, find out. Maybe maybe tomorrow we can we can ask her to follow up on that. Uh, but. Uh, as, Stick around, Mike. We're, we're going to be heading to, to break, but you're going to be participating. You're taking my spot in the weekly news quiz, so don't go anywhere. We'll, we'll be checking in with you in a minute. You got it. Yeah. Oh, and actually, we do have Ramya. So uh, what we're going to do, Ramya, you can quickly chime in on what your ideal uh, destination would be, but you only got about 30 seconds, so you got to make it <laughs> short and punchy. Okay, I'm sorry to have missed uh, what you guys were saying, but for me, it's Egypt. I think that there's just so much history and geography and significance of this place that I, you just can't get from books. You know, you just have to be there. So uh, Egypt is where I would go. Awesome. And uh, quickly, Ramya, to uh, what's coming up on today's episode of Kelly and Ramya? What can people expect? Well, Mike talked about air and uh, smelling that northern air. We're going to talk about air pollution on the show today and why it's a concern for all of us. Francis Wong is diving into this on our wellness chat. We're also talking to Young Wong about relationships and love. And it's not just about partnerships. She's talking about friends, family, siblings, all the above. And we have our voices segment with Andy Frank, the manager of AMI-audio, who is currently in Vienna. So he'll tell us a little bit about his trip, but also about his role at AMI and everything else. Awesome. That sounds like a great episode. Ramya, thank you so much. Uh, Mike, thank you. Uh, so coming up after the break, it's weekly news time. So we'll have Mike Ross filling in for me. We have Karen McGee back in the chair. And we got Jim Crisco, who are all going to be competing to take the crown from me. You're watching Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.
Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's weekly news panel time. We have three fierce competitors going head to head to head. I got a bit carried away there, you know, I, I forgot there's always some music. It always trips me up here. So today we have Karen McGee joining us. We have Jim Crisco joining us and we have Mike Ross in as well. Hello, everybody. Thank you for participating in this uh, weekly news quiz with me. Hi, Alex. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so to go over the rules quickly, because we are running a bit short on time, there are going to be three rounds of questions, three questions per round. There will be three multiple choice options per question. If you answer it uh, correctly without getting the options, it's two points. You answer it correctly with the options, it's one point. And if you get it wrong, it goes to the next person until we have a correct answer. So the order is chosen, uh, was drawn by Mary Daniel, the wife of our lovely producer, Paul Daniel. The order will be Karen McGee first, Jim Crisco seven, uh, second, and Mike Ross third. So Karen, we are starting off with politics in North America. What U.S. state is currently considering a move that would make it the first state to have its own official aroma. Oh, why? <laughs> I'll take the choices, please. Okay, is it A, New Mexico, B, California, or C, Tennessee? It sounds like something New Mexico would do, so let's say New Mexico. That is correct. Karen is on the board. If the bill passes, the proposed state aroma will be green chilies roasting in the fall. And it would join, uh, it would be joining other unique symbols of New Mexico. So question number two, it goes to Jim Crisco. The report of the inquiry investigating the Canadian government's imposition of the Emergency Act was released this week. Who was the chair of the inquiry? Mm, uh, was it Justice Rouleau? Are we going to accept it? Yes, we will accept it. I will okay. give the two points for Paul Rouleau is the okay. correct answer. And if you were listening to my conversation with uh, uh, Michelle McCreek earlier in the show, it would have been uh, it would have been uh, quite an easy response. Question three over to Mike Ross. What high profile Republican suggested last week that politicians over the age of 75 should be subjected to a mental competency test. And now this is U.S. Republican uh, um, high profile. Who was it? I could tell you who it should be. <laughs> um, I'll need the, the options, please. Okay, was it A, Nikki Haley, B, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, or C, Karen Pence? That sounds like something Sarah Huckabee Sanders would say. That is incorrect, unfortunately. Oh. So the uh, it goes to Karen with the opportunity to take this. It was it was Nikki Haley. Just ask Don Lemon how much trouble he's in about his comments after that. <laughs> that is correct. Karen is up on the board after round one. She has two points. Jim Crisco has the one point. Or no, two points, sorry. I'm trying to steal a point from you, Jim. And Mike <laughs> is off the board. So going to round two, we are starting with Jim. And now these 
questions are all going to be based on international events. So, Jim, more than 100,000 protesters gathered outside which country's parliament ahead of several legislative votes that would limit the power of its Supreme Court? Uh, I'm going to have to take the options on that one, Alex. Is it A, Brazil, B, Israel, or C, the Philippines? I'm going to go with Brazil. That is incorrect, unfortunately. Mike, you are up. Is it A, uh, or is it uh, B, Brazil, or C, Philippines? It's Israel. That is also incorrect. <laughs> Karen, you get the point by default. It is the Philippines. So one, okay. one bill would give politicians in the, uh, the set the ability to overturn Supreme Court decisions by a simple majority vote. Question number two in round number two going to Mike Ross. What country declared a state of emergency after a cyclone knocked out power for tens of thousands of people? I'll need the options, please. Was it A, Australia, B, New Zealand, or C, Papua New Guinea? That was New Zealand. That is correct. Mike is on the board. Wind speeds approached up to 100 miles per hour and eight inches or more of rain fell in some areas just weeks after Auckland recorded its wettest month in 170 years. Question number three of round number two, heading to Karen. Nicola Sturgeon announced she was resigning as the leader of the national government of this country. What country is it? I think she's Scotland. That is correct. Karen is taking a commanding lead. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon, a supporter of Scottish independence, announced last week that she would resign. Sturgeon declared that after more than eight years in office, she was exhausted, had become too polarizing a figure to lead Scotland's divisive political politics effectively. So now we head to round three and we go to the world of entertainment. We are going to be starting off with Mike for this question. Last week, actress, model, and pinup Ra uh, Raquel Welch passed away at the age of 82. She made her career primarily in the movie industry. However, in the last part of her career, she did TV cameos. What TV show was her last appearance? Wow, I have no idea. I'll uh, need the options. Was it A, Seinfeld, B, Ugly Betty, or C, Date My Dad? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Seinfeld was in the early '90s, so doubt it was that. Um, date my dad. Well, my dad had a Raquel Welch poster on his wall when I was a kid, so <laughs> I'm sure he would have liked that. Um, I'll go with that one. Date my dad. That is correct. Ah, there you go, there pops. You go. That one was for you, pops. <laughs> All about my dad, right there. Yeah. Her last TV appearance. Uh, uh, she appeared in the sitcom Date My Dad in 2017, where she reunited with Robert Wagner on screen for decades after starring together in the biggest bundle of them all. Question number two of round number three, heading to Karen. Sticking with celebrities who left us, comedian and actor Richard Belzer passed away over the weekend at the age of 78. He was famous for his role as Detective John Munch on Law & Order SVU. The Munch character had originated from another TV show. Which one was it? Oh, all of them? All those as Law & Order SVUs connected? Um, I'll take the choices, please. Is it A, the original Law & Order, B, Homicide, Life on the Street, or C, NYPD Blue? 
I'm, oh, I'm still going to go with the original Law and Order. That is incorrect, Karen. Oh. Jim, is it B, Homicide, Life on the Street, or C, NYPD Blue? It's B. That homicide is correct. Jim is correct. Uh, the character had been on NBC drama Homicide, Life on the Street from 1993 to the series end in 1999. Okay, question number three of round number three. On a lighter note, Jim, what TV uh, children's TV character is making a comeback? I'll have to have the options on that one. <laughs> is it A, D.W. Reed from Arthur? Is it B, Barney the Purple Dinosaur? Or is it C, Johnny Bravo? My goodness. Uh, you know what? I I'm just going to go down the middle, and I'll say the Purple Dinosaur, Barney. Jim, that is correct. Oh. While he will be making a comeback on the TV screen, he will look different from familiar uh, from, uh, from the familiar large green belly and bright yellow toenails, he appears to be noticeably thinner and with his cheekbones much more defined. So with that, Karen McGee is our winner. Congratulations, Karen. Thank you very much. Thank you. I worked hard. <laughs> so there we go. Now we got the music, of course. It's it's tough, Karen. I I gotta say, you know, it's 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 hard being on this side because it can't go head to head with you. And you know, I had a nice streak, a couple weeks back to back wins. I was feeling good, and then Dave decides to take the week off. It's like, oh well, now I gotta fill in, so I can't I can't compete now that Karen's back. And yeah, it's 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 tough. Jim held in there. He had the four points. It was close, but Karen, you 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 take the crown back on your your first time back on the quiz. So. Uh, I, I'm gonna, we have a, a, a little bit of time, so I'm gonna ask you guys the quick uh, tie-breaking question as this works. First person to say uh, the name as we get into it. After I finish talking, we, uh, gets to ask first. So, Major League Baseball's Oakland Athletics owner, John Fisher, is looking to move his team, the Oakland A's, Mike. to a new look. Okay, Mike, where is it going? He wants to go to Las Vegas. That is correct, Mike. You. You would have gotten that point. I will give it to you anyways. You still get the point. You're still in third place. But it's a thought that counts. The sports knowledge, I knew we could count it's, on, Mike. It's my participation ribbon, and I will take it. Exactly. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Jim, thank you. And Karen, thank you so much for coming back and, and taking the throne again. I will talk to you next week. It just gives me pleasure to beat Mike. That's all. <laughs> okay, that's Well, it. after last week's drubbing... <laughs> yeah, so that's it for what? the yes. show we have today. Uh, coming up tomorrow on Now with Dave Brown, Kelly Braun Johnson explores ableism and the roots of racism and capitalism. You're watching Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.